Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another Real Estate with Wendy podcast. Today, I think it is time for us to talk about building your team. I have touched base on this in the past, but starting out is one of the most important things that a person can do is try to get your team built and started as quickly as possible and as as good as possible. How you build your team is going to depend on what avenue, what road you want to go down. Are you going to go down the road of fix and flip, or are you going to go down the road of buy and hold? There's really only two roads. You're either going to keep these properties, or you're going to sell them. If you're keeping them, you're renting them out. If you're selling them, then again, it's a whole different beast. You need to be focused much, much, much more on your contractors, because that's the whole game. You buy it and it's in, you know, trashy, horrible, demolished condition, but then you're going to fix it back up and you're going to immediately sell it. Well, you're going to have to have an incredible GC, a general contractor, who the general contractor is like a project manager. They manage the entire project from the beginning to the end. They handle all of the contractors for you. They make all of the scheduling. They run the entire show. And they see to it that everyone gets paid, everything gets handled, everything gets built properly. And according to code, they pull permits, they handle everything. They may not do everything, but they handle everything. A good GC if you're going to be flipping. Not to mention the GC that you have is vetted. You've done research on them. You have excellent references. You've seen their work. You have pictures and you've been by their jobs. Things of that nature are going to help you, not just if you're flipping, but when you're trying to find these contractors, I do the same thing. I'll go by their, their office, their, their business. I'll see what kind of a business they're running. Who, how packed is it? Are they crowded? Is it something where everybody, they're in high demand and everybody's trying to get at them? That usually tells me, wow, this is, this is somebody who's in high demand. This must be a really good contractor. Another thing that, is, uh, that I look for is honesty. Honesty is one of the most important traits that you can possibly have in a contractor, and it is so hard to find. Almost no one is honest these days. They will tell you anything. I had a a HVAC guy the other day. He came to a job. He was one of my owners that has rental properties, and I manage those properties. He wanted his HVAC guy to come by, and he wanted his AC guy to come and check out his rental. And I said, okay, no problem. And so his HVAC guy said the whole system needs to be just completely replaced. It's useless. It doesn't work. It's a fire hazard. You got to get that out of here right now, like pressuring us to, oh my gosh, it's, it could, you know, you as the owner could be responsible and you as the property manager could have liability in this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting to myself thinking, oh, those are some great scare tactics, but I would never hire this guy in a million years. He just, you know, you're not going to scare me like that. He says all this crazy stuff. And of course, the guy who called him, the owner, is like, oh man, you know, it's going to cost $6,000. And I'm like, wait a minute now, can we call my HVAC guy real quick? Can we just send him out here? Now his HVAC guy calls, you call him up, he charges you a trip charge. That's like $150 per time that he comes out. Just even if nothing's wrong, if you've called him out there and he shows up, boom, $150. My guy, when he shows up, If there's nothing wrong, he just says, try not to do that again. You know what I mean? Like, Wendy, I love you to death, but try not to do this again. You're wasting my time. But he doesn't charge those trips because I've given him so much business is why. I've given him so much business over the past 20 years. I think I've helped him build his business. Again, if you have a good contractor that is not going to charge you for things, 
they're not going to charge you for those crazy trip charges either. And then once he gets there, of course, do you know what he finds wrong with it? A $20 part. He finds that it is a $20 capacitor, which I told him before he even came, hey, grab a couple of capacitors, so-and-so size, have them on your truck. I think this is what's wrong with it because it's doing this, this, this. For me, having some knowledge, because I've spent a lot of time with these contractors and I'm not just standing there you know, picking my nose while they're doing the job, I'm standing over them and I'm asking questions. What are you doing that for? How does that work? And not to try to grill them, but to try to learn. And then once I have the knowledge, then I know if someone's doing it right or not. And again, I have caught so many contractors not doing things right because I've been taught the right way to do it. And to have just a little bit of knowledge on your own of how to do things so that you don't get messed up is going to be a great way to vet your contractors. Pretend like you don't have the knowledge when you do. See what they say as far as what's wrong and what needs to be fixed and then test them. You know, if they're going to tell you some crap, then maybe that's not your contractor. If they're going to tell you, hey, I understand you're an investor just starting out. Let me help you save money. Let me try to make this machine work as long as possible without replacing it. That's the kind of person that I want to be working with. It applies to every single trade, not just the one trade. It's for plumbers. It's for roofers. It's for, you know, any of your contractors you're going to need. And you're going to need all the same contractors, whether you're doing rehabbing or whether you're doing flipping. At some point, you're going to need a roof replacement. If, you, if you're if you an owner, investor, your roof is eventually going to need to be replaced. And you're going to have to have a roofer that does, you know, good work and gives you a good price. Now, the time thing for me, eh, not so important. <laughs> but the, the good work and the price those are my things. And what is important to you may change depending on, you know, your situation. There have been times where I had to get stuff done quick and it just had to be done quick and there was no way around it. I had to pay the price or I had to pay for lesser quality of work. I've learned over the years how to avoid that as well. Try not to be crunched for time because that's the one thing that if you find that you're crunched for time, you're going to find yourself also getting shoddy work. If you can avoid that and plan things better, then you might avoid a lot of heartache. Giving yourself the time to, to vet out good contractors. Giving yourself the time to get three or four of them. Like, I'll, I'll say, okay, you know, for example, I had this happen last week. This isn't even a, it's just a rental house. Doesn't even belong to me. It's just one of my owners. So he calls me up and says, hey, you know, I'm, I, a storm came through. You know, I'm scared of these trees. I want to have a bunch of them taken down. I need you, Wendy. You're the property manager. I need you to call three or four of them, three or four tree guys. Send them all. You got to be there. You know, when they get there, you got to tell them which trees it is to take down. You got to get the estimates. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So I go over there and I meet with all of these tree guys. And they're all local companies. All four of them gave estimates. They were all around the same price, believe it or not. One of them, my guy, and I've known Andy for many, many years. He's a neighbor. And his price was less than anybody else's, which surprises me because he has got better equipment that is newer. And I'm talking high powered. He's got $200,000 machine that do the grinding of the stumps and the crazy things that they do get up way into these box thingies and go way up high and then top them out and come down. They got all kinds of crazy cranes and stuff. So I would have thought his price might be the highest because to me, he's the most reputable. He's the most sought after. He's the most trustworthy as far as I don't know those other guys. They just were guys that I called out of the phone book. 
And one of them, I think, was the owner's guy. But anyways, I think he ended up using my guy because my guy was the better priced out of all the prices. I was happy with that because my guy is the guy that I know and trust. But I had to, in order to know that this is my guy, at one time I had to do exactly what the owner did, which was say, hey, we need to get these estimates from these people. We need to see what all is included. We need to see what exactly they're taking down and who's going to have to be there, what's going to have to be done. And after seeing all four of these, I was glad to know I've got the best team. <laughs> but that that's something that you got to get your estimates on everything. You got to get your estimates on your roof, again, on a whole different house, whole different rental, a whole different investor said a few months ago, I have to have a new roof. Same storm. Something fell on his roof, totally damaged the whole house. It was just wrecked, the whole roof, everything. So he had to pay for a roof. He got his guy out there. He got my guy out there. And we called a third and a fourth. And we ended up using, in this case, we ended up using a new guy. Not the the one that I normally use, not the one that he normally uses. And why would we use a new guy when we have these, these people that we know and trust? Sometimes you have to have a backup. Sometimes you have to put yourself out there and, and take a risk on something new. Because what if something that you've been dealing with for 20 years, what if they retire? Like, what if the company goes out of business? There's a lot of things that could happen. And you have to have more than one phone number in your Rolodex. And that's also very important when you're building your team. You've got to know more than one person, more than one name to call. The one person who gave you the best price this time may not give you the best price next time. It may be a completely different situation next time. And that's why every time you do a job, no matter what job it is, you have to get these estimates and multiple, at least three. I recommend four. And then pit them against each other. I like to schedule them at the same time so that the one sees the other one and they know that they're going to be bidding against each other when they do their bids. That tends to change the situation a little bit. That tends to change their trying to jump up your prices and so forth. Then they know you're not this little country bumpkin girl that, you know, is going to get ran all over. They're like, oh, snap, she might have a clue here. Put them all in the same spaces each other. And I do that when renting properties too. When I'm setting up appointments to show a house for rent or to buy, I'll set up all my appointments at the same time or within 10 minutes of each other so that they bump into each other coming and going simply because that way they see the, the stress. They see the urgency. They see that, oh no, you know, somebody else may get this job. Somebody else may get this house. And then that changes a, a person's whole perspective. I don't know why, but it does. Okay, so now let's talk about who do you need on your team. And it's going to be different depending on what you're doing, of course. So if you're doing flipping, you're going to need your GC. Your GC needs their contractors. You need to vet these contractors. So if you're doing buy and hold, and these are going to end up being your rental properties that you keep, you're going to need a different team. Yeah, you still need those contractors for when you have, you know, a flooring or a roof or whatever issue. You still need those in your Rolodex and you're still going to use them for when you're doing rehabs and, and maintenance and repairs. But the main people that you need on your team, if you're doing property management, is going to be a realtor, a property manager, someone who is skilled in not only finding you these houses. Again, this is why your property manager has so many hats um, and you need to find a good one. Your property manager is a licensed realtor. Your realtor should know where the deals are because they're a realtor. They're in 
the real estate business, not just doing property management, but also doing other things as well. They're, they're working with buyers. They're working with sellers. They're driving around looking at all the properties. They know where the deals are. Not only that, they know the bank people. They know the mortgage people. They know the foreclosures, you know, all the ins and outs of lots of things. So I would say having the property manager slash realtor is going to be critical If you're going to do any sort of buy and hold, you have to, have to, have to have a vetted with extreme, like years of experience for a property manager slash realtor slash wholesaler. Again, how are you going to find these properties? Chances are, especially if you're in the beginning and you're a new investor and you're just starting out, you are at work. You haven't quit your job yet. So you don't have time to find these properties. Chances are you're going to be calling a realtor anyway to say, hey, you got any deals? You know of any deals? The realtor that I am, I always know where the deals are. I always know where to find them. I always know how to get out there and search and look. And I see them every day. I saw one driving home from the tax sale today. I wrote down the address and I've already done the research on it. So I know a little bit about what's going on with it. But again, that's something that Only a realtor has a realtor's mind, which is we're always looking at properties. We are always on the hunt. Me doing both realtor work and property management work, my mind goes in two different directions all the time. Like I'm always looking at what can I get as, you know, for wholesale, not for myself necessarily, but you know, if it's for me, that's great. But if it's not for me, and if it's something that I'm not going to buy, I think, okay, what about this investor? What about that investor? Who can I flip this to and wholesale this to? It's still a deal just because I'm not interested in it doesn't mean anything. It's a deal to someone else. How can I gift my friends and my investors with something that's going to be an awesome deal for them too and still make a little money? And that's a great way for someone who is still starting out and has not the experience, is not a licensed realtor, has no idea how to do research and look up deeds and find out if there are liens and that stuff. I would say that most of the investors who are even seasoned investors do not know how to do this themselves. They do not know how to look up properties. They do not know how to run the deeds. They do not know what the proper way to go to the county and go through the books and the pages to look up and see the liens and so forth. That's not something that many people have access to that knowledge or that ability to do those things. It takes inordinate amounts of time, even if you do know how. I would think that anybody who has to pay the bills in life and is just starting out is going to be at their day job. I know people, all of my investors, in fact, all of my investors have day jobs. That's why they hired me. They can't do it themselves. They messed it all up when they did it themselves. I could tell you stories about these guys too. Oh my gosh. And they came to me when their whole business was in a shambles and they were fixing to go under because they didn't know how to manage what they had. And all they needed was someone who had the knowledge of how to do property management, how to vet the tenants properly, how to get the contractors, you know, you have to stand on their neck and get them to finish jobs sometimes. But trust me, as a redhead, oh, I'll turn into that mean person who can, you know, see to it that they get the job done. It's just having someone to do all that stuff for you because you're out there working the job and doing your thing. You have to have a team in place that you can trust to be you when you're not even there, to be looking for the properties, to be finding them, to be locking them in, to have the contracts ready in their car at all times so that if something presents itself, I'm right there just like that. 
the only people I know who do this are licensed. Get yourself a, a licensed individual, vet them out, do maybe three or four at least to see which one works best with you, which one gels with you the best, which one is on the same page with you the most. It's not always about which one has the least commission, although I have the least commission of anyone out there that I know of. It's not always about that. That's what brings them to me initially, but what keeps them with me is my skills. I've been doing this for so long, and I have so much knowledge about so many things that they see real quick that they can't afford to not have someone like me in their lives. They can't afford to not have a professional managing their properties. When they managed their own properties, they were making maybe two, $300 a month, some of these people. And these are people who have 10 properties. How do you only make $200 a month on 10 properties? That's mind-boggling to me. You should be making 2000 a month on each property. When they get the right people in place, it changes their lives and always for the better. So get yourself some good people in place. Aside from realtor, property manager, some good contractors, I would say a couple of more people that you need to think about having. Maybe not right at first, but again, if you're starting out as an investor, one of the first things you're going to need is going to be a good closing attorney. And why? Because if you're buying a place or rental, an investment, whatever you're buying, you're going to have to have a closing attorney to close on it. I've picked my closing attorneys. I do have several that I can use, but I've picked one just within the last year that has been my go-to closing attorney. They do so many more things than just closing attorney things, though. They also will say, for example, they'll make up your will or they'll do a living trust. Or, you know what I'm saying? They can do all sorts of things that are outside of just closing on a house. And as you grow as an investor, you're going to realize maybe you need an LLC. Maybe you need to put something in a trust for some of your loved ones or your children or whatever. These are all things that you need an attorney for. And you need not just any attorney, you need a very good attorney, one that's well-vetted, well-liked in the community. And I told my attorney, I'm a real estate agent locally here. I gave them my card and I told them, I'm going to be doing a closing with you guys. We'll see how it works out. If you guys can offer me better prices than some of these other attorneys, then I'll use you. And if you can't, then, you know, maybe we're not a good fit. Again, I do so many closings, not just for my own properties, but as a realtor, bringing other people to them to do closings with them that they said, if you bring us this many, then we'll lower it by this much. If you bring us this many, we'll lower it by this much. So there's a structure there of how much I can save based on how much I'm bringing to them as far as business. And that works out well for everyone because I do a lot of business anyways, and it doesn't, it doesn't change or affect me in any ways other than now I'm saving money. So that's something to discuss maybe with your closing attorney. How can you, if you do multiple properties and explain to them that you're going to be growing and you're going to be buying more and, you know, doing all these real estate things, then they can give you discounts too for the multiple properties that you're going to be bringing them. Okay, so that was asked, how do you find your general contractor? How do you find this person? You know, if you don't know where you find one locally, like if you haven't looked on the signs in your neighborhood and seen, oh, this person is building here, this person is, you know, developing there, and asked some people locally, then maybe look at Google, looking it up online to see who maybe has the best reviews, 
if you start there, that would be a good place to maybe get the phone numbers of three or four that you're going to call. And then I would sit them down and I would interview them. And I would ask them, when do you do these particular stages? How do you do your draws? Um, And for someone who is familiar with general contractors, someone who is familiar with flips and doing this type of work, you'll understand how the draw works. You never, ever pay a contractor or a GC the money before you start. Any money at all. A lot of people make this mistake. They will pay a person because the general contractor will come out and say, oh, well, I need $10,000 to start. No, no, you don't. What you need is to get the materials here to get the work started, and I'll give you a draw when you get this much complete. When you get to 20% complete, you'll get 20% of your money. When you get to 40% complete, you'll get 40%. You know what I'm saying? And it goes on from there. They're called draws, and you never want to hand people money just because they tell you to hand them money and they need it for this or that. No, you don't. And with not general contractors, but just contractors in general, (laughs) um, these are a different beast, by the way. These are guys that do not carry a license. They just work for the man. They just work for whatever flooring company or whatever roofing company. You know, they'll come out to your job and they'll do whatever task you hire them to do. In cases like that, Those particular guys, I would say to vet them, they need maybe not so much as to sit down and go through the ups and downs, but to sit down with them and say, hey, this is the job. Here's how, you know, here's how I want this done. They'll give you a quote on price. And then at the end of the job, when the job is 100% done, that's when they get paid. For a general contractor, you may pay him in draws. That is this percent done, this percent done, this percent done. When you have just a regular person that is coming to do, say, for example, plumbing, then he would come in, he would do the plumbing job, he would get it 100% complete, never asking you for a dime, never asking you for materials or anything else, and then you pay him 100% when he's done. Now, I will say this too. Some of my investors like to be cheap. And by cheap, I don't mean that they're cheap people. I just mean that they're like the rest of us. And the rest of us are, you know, me personally, I try to be as cheap as I possibly can because I am not Donald Trump. I am not a millionaire and I want to save money wherever possible. So there have been times where I would say, for example, you know, my son's a contractor. You know that he does remodeling. So I would say something like, son, could you come and if I buy this flooring, if I buy this material and I put it on the job, I'm just paying you for labor. Can you install this flooring for me, this many square feet, you know, at this price? And then he'll say, yes, mom, I can do that. Or no, mom, I can't. That's another way that you can hire the contractors. Again, if you're paying for the materials and putting them on the job, I would recommend two things. Number one, you've paid for the materials and that's done. So you want to watch your materials and make sure that they don't drive away, float away. Make sure someone's there watching them for you. You have a trusted general contractor or other person watching them. Never leave them unattended outside of a house on a job. Um, Never leave them where they're not locked up inside. And, you know, you can see through a window and see materials everywhere. That's just asking for somebody to steal from you. And then the second thing I would say is when you've worked out a deal with, they're just handymen or whatever. These guys too, you do not pay them a dime until they're 100% done and you've checked their work to make sure that it's done properly. Sometimes these guys are the worst to do shoddy work. So you have to really be careful when you're trying to be cheap 
and get things done for a lesser price. Yeah, you can do it, but you have to be super careful. And I recommend doing this route, deal with people you know. Don't deal with strangers, deal with people that you know and you've worked with in the past. That way you're less bound to have something bad happen. I guess that is about all we have time for today, though. I hope you enjoyed this particular session of Real Estate with Wendy podcast. Thank you so much, guys.